0: Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Here at the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their passion. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young businessmen, welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake. And today is a bonus podcast that we actually recorded from our monthly luncheon. Today's speaker is Scott Sutton. He's the head coach for ORU men's basketball. Coach Sutton has a record of 320 wins in 17 seasons at ORU, including 3 NCAA tournament appearances and 8 total postseason appearances. He has been a four-time coach of the year, including 3 Summit League tournament championships and 5 Summit League regular season championships. He also has 2 Associated Press All-Americans five freshman All-Americans, and four Summit League Players of the Year. Coach Sutton spoke directly to our guys, and what I really loved about his message to us was the kind of rich history that he has as a coach, but also some of the things that he's been able to learn. I believe that he was put into a role where he was able to kind of get started with uh, some of the success of his father, and from that, he was able to have access to probably some of the greatest basketball mentors that he could have so for him it was the opportunity to learn and grow but also find an opportunity at a university to kind of grow into his own coaching style and he was able to share with us some of the things that he's learned along the way and I'm excited to share his story with you and share kind of his presentation to our group so let's listen to Scott's story and his message to young businessmen
1: thank you Very very kind of you. First of all, I want to introduce a few guys that uh, I had the privilege of coaching. Uh, One has a head coach, PJ Purnell. Stand up. Yeah, stand up PJ. PJ uh, played for us and uh, you talk about a a class guy and a guy that represented what we stood for. That's PJ. So great to see you PJ. Two other guys that I did not coach, uh, I wasn't a head coach, but got to spend a couple years with and uh, two guys that Bill Self actually recruited. Chad Wilkerson and Jay Henderson, what you guys stand up? Uh, Chad Chad is now the head coach in Lincoln Christian School, the head basketball coach. and uh, I always give coach Self a hard time because I don't know if you I, I'll tell the story a little bit later, but Coach Self hired me. I worked two years for Coach Self. And my first year was was uh, Chad and Jay's first year on campus, I believe. Isn't that right? And then I worked, he went to Tulsa, and then Barry Henson took over. I worked two years for Barry Henson. Well, when Barry left, Chad and Jay were seniors. You know, although Ch- Jay was a was a very good player and a, kind of a bruiser, Chad was a great player. His senior year, he was player year in our league, and I always... I always tell Coach Self, he cost me about 10 wins my first year because he should have redshirted Chad and I would have had him my first year. He would have been a redshirt senior. He came in about 6'6", 147 pounds (laughs) and Coach had all uh, basically made his mind up to redshirt him and then Chad played well said, hey, we may need him and uh, went on and had a great career. So uh, thanks for having me. This is an impressive group of men and women, and uh, I think I need to do some networking and connecting possibly uh, with some of you guys afterwards. Uh, if I have another year like I did last year, Mr. Carter may be forcing me out the door, and I may need a job. So, uh, and I was a business major at Oklahoma State, by the way, so I'm not sure how much I could help you. but uh, And speaking of Oklahoma State. How many many Cowboys do we have in the house? How many Sooners? Boomer! There we go. (laughs) Boomer. That reminds me of a a recruiting story. Bedlam's coming up. uh, Reminds me of a recruiting story I heard about Bob Stoops and Mike Gundy. Uh, Bedlam may come down to a a field goal or so. And they, they had caught wind. Just those two guys caught wind of a kicker down in South America. Unbelievable kicker. So they both went down to Brazil to see this kicker, supposedly kicking 70, 75 yard field goals, didn't, didn't miss. Get down there, see the kid kick. All of a sudden, a bunch of gorillas, I mean not not apes, but gorillas, military mm-hmm. men came down, kidnapped him. I don't know if you heard the story yet, but kidnap Coach Stoops, Coach Gundy, and said, hey, we're gonna kill you, but we're gonna give you one last request before we do. So, they said, okay, Coach Stoops, he said, man, I've been at OU so long, I love that university, it's meant so much to me, I just think I need to hear Boomer Sooner one more time before I die, it's okay, and they go to Coach Gundy, and. So what's your last request? He said, well, if you're gonna play that song, shoot me first, please. <laughs> Before I talk about some of my leadership philosophies, I I thought it may be good to talk about how I got into coaching in begin with. Obviously, Tim mentioned my father it was a Decorative coach and a lot of you guys may not know this that he started his coaching career right here in Tulsa He was a head coach at Tulsa Central High School back when central was one of the best uh, Schools in the state had one of the best athletic programs in the state and he really thought that He would spend his career coaching high school basketball but in the summer of uh, 1966 a guy came to him and said, hey, I, I want to offer you a job as a head basketball coach at College of Southern Idaho. And, you know, that was like, Idaho? I've never been past Colorado. I'm not going way out there. And he said, no, come on, come on. Come take your wife, we'll pay for it, drive out here. So he said, well, it can't hurt. We'll go out there and look. So they drove across the country, got to Twin Falls, Idaho, Guy started driving him around town. He's like, hey, can, can we see the campus? And the president, who was the president at the time of the university, said, well, I forgot to tell you, we haven't built it yet. And he said, what do you mean you haven't built it? Well, we, we got all the plans, they're great plans. We're gonna build a, a great university. And he said, well, where would the guys go to school? I said, well, they're having to go to school at the high school at night and then they'll practice in the mornings. So that's how my dad got into college coaching. The guy was such a great salesman that he sold him to leave home, which was, my mom's home was Stillwater, his home was in southwestern Kansas, to go across the country and start a program at College of Southern Idaho. And you know, fortunately for me, uh, my brothers, he did that because without him getting into uh, college coaching, I'm not sure I would be here today and, um, you know, how I got started in it, you know, he went on to Coach Creighton, went on to Coach Arkansas-Kentucky, fortunately went to uh, Oklahoma State, where I was able to uh, play a very, very small role uh, on that team, but was able to meet my wife and, and had several great years and still have a love for Stillwater and love for Oklahoma State. But I got done playing in 1995. and. I don't know if you guys uh, were like me, but I had no idea what I wanted to do. I got out of college. I was a business major, like I said. Uh, I had moved back home with my mom and dad. I was graduated, living at home. It was a summer night, I remember. My dad loves the St. Louis Cardinals. He was watching the, we were watching the Cardinals game with him. And he got a phone call from Bill Self, who was going into his third year. Um, at Oral Roberts University. And he said, Coach, I I just got a position created. I want to hire somebody uh, for an entry position. Doesn't pay very much. Do you have anybody in mind? He said, hey, let me think about it, um, and I'll get back with you. And throughout my life, my dad always told Sean and me, hey, do not go into coaching. It's it's a tough profession. You're not going to like it. You're away from your family too much. So I kind of always, uh, you know, I I thought about it, but it never was a, uh, you know, career goal for me. But that night, for whatever reason, I said, hey, Dad, I I think I want to try this. And he said, you sure? I said, yes. So that's how I got to ORU. I've never left uh, since. I started out with about $8,000, and I was blessed to work for, a great coach and Bill Self. I was blessed to work for a great athletic director who's still with me, Mike Carter. And we've had a lot of fun and a lot of success along the way. Um, as far as, uh, from the time, I, I was 28 years old. I was 20 years old, uh, oh, I, I'm sorry. I coached for Bill for two years, coached for Barry for two years. Um, Barry went to Missouri State. And Mike Carter and Richard Roberts hired me when I was 28 years old. I'd been four years uh, an assistant coach. They had that much faith in me, that much confidence in me, confidence in me and it's something I'll never forget. Because uh, when you're that young, I know a lot of you guys probably go through this, you, you think you know everything until you step into it and it's, it's your decisions, your responsibilities. In that first year, because we didn't have Chad, we, we, we struggled. We struggled. Uh, first two years, in fact. Uh, we, we won 13 games our first year, won 10 games our second year. And but my belief in what we were, we were going to accomplish, I stood by that. And I believed in what um, my program should stand for, and we were able to get through that, thankfully, uh, but it, it took a lot of, uh, you know, self talking to. It took a lot of, you know, talking to my mentors, uh, my dad, you know, Bill Self, Mike Carter. Uh, so th- th- these are just a few things. And I know I should be listening to some of you guys when it comes to leadership. I know that. But as far as my basketball career, what I believe in, things that I try to do, th- these are four or five things I think have come in. Handy and have helped me uh, build a program that I'm proud of. Uh, number one, I built a foundation, and my foundation is what I believe in, what I stand for, what Or Robert stands for. But maybe most importantly, the people that I surround myself with. You know, you're only as good as the people you work for, the people that work for you, and. You know, who do you want representing yourself? Uh, who do you want representing your program? And there's there's two ways that, that you bring people into a basketball program. You hire coaches and you recruit players. And you know, my foundation has always been that I, that I hired and recruit uh, people that share the same philosophy, same belief system as I do. Um, I want to surround myself with people that I like. uh, That get along well with each other. Uh, One of the greatest things I thought early in my career was that I hired a group of of coaches that had great chemistry. And that fed to our players. Our players saw that daily. How much we enjoyed working with each other. How much we loved each other. How much we, we enjoy spending time with each other. And I thought that was I thought that went a long ways in helping, especially in those early years, build you know, the culture, build the foundation of what I wanted to do at ORU. Um, you know, when I hire coaches, I think there's several characteristics I look for, and it's probably the same with you when you hire employees. Number one, they have to be loyal. They have to have your back. You know, there's so many times in basketball that it's an up and down season, uh, players uh, complain, players go to your assistant coaches. You have to know that those assistant coaches have your back, that they, they, they believe in you, that they're gonna stand by you. So that's one, one area I look for. Uh, secondly, I, I look for guys that are positive. I'm telling you that first year, first couple of years when we struggled uh, and struggled I had a guy on my staff named Corey Williams. Corey was a great player at Oklahoma State. Um, in fact, he was, I think, the only guy who ever got drafted in, in NBA by the NBA and the NFL from, from, uh, from Oklahoma State. But he was an unbelievable person, and he was so positive that he kept me going. You know, he, he kept my enthusiasm going, he kept my confidence going. So it was huge to have a guy like Corey that I could see and listen to and talk to every day. Three, I think you have to be honest. Uh, You know, in in college athletics, you have to depend and trust on your assistant coaches to do the right thing for recruiting, how they handle players, how they act in public. you know it's so important that I mean one bad decision an assistant coach can make can cost you your job, just like one bad decision an employee can make may cost you your job or cost you your company or what it may be. So you have to you have to hire honest guys, and obviously they have to be talented. And this and this is one area that I think I've done a pretty good job with. I knew when I was 28 and I got the job I had to hire guys that had experience. Maybe guys that were more talented than me. Maybe guys that were smarter than me. And that's what I did. And I've never had such an ego or been so insecure that it wouldn't allow me to hire somebody that I knew could make my program better. And I think there's a lot of guys out there and, and, and people out there that you know, maybe are too insecure and, and have too big of egos that wouldn't allow them to hire the the best person but that's something i've never i've never had a problem with i know my limitations i I know i need help in in a lot of areas and i've gone out and tried to hire people that make me better that make my program better Um, second thing about bringing people in is recruiting players obviously if you don't have the type of players you're not going to have success i want to hire i want to recruit Great individuals who are talented, coachable and selfish, high character, Christian young men who are willing to be a part of a team. You know, if, if, you, have, if you go out and recruit guys that are selfish, that are not hardworking, what's going to happen? You're not going to have a good team. So that, that's part of recruiting. Surround yourself with assistant coaches, with players that allow you to have success. And I think the third a group of people uh, that make up, at least my foundation, is my mentors. I've been blessed to have a guy like my father, who you know, won over 800-something games, a guy like Bill Self, who will be in the Hall of Fame one day, a guy like Mike Carter, who's a, you know, a terrific and close family friend, but a great boss. So I think it's important to have, uh, to have mentors. Um, you know, my first year, it, like I said, it, it was a tough year. We'd finally started playing well sometime around February. I, I thought we had a chance to go into the conference tournament and do some damage. We had a couple of kids, two starters, that <laughs> did some things they shouldn't have done. And uh, Mr. Carter and I talked, and, and I leaned on him a lot and leaned on some other guys, and... You know, we made a decision, hey, the best thing for our program, the integrity of our program is to suspend them. Did it cost us some games? Absolutely. But in the long haul, it was the best thing to do for our program. And, you know, I would not go back and change that. Sometimes you've got to make tough decisions. Um, and it may not, at the time, it may not be the best thing for your team. But in the long haul, it is the best thing. And then that was one situation that was. Uh, The second thing that, you know, some of my philosophy is create a culture of family. Uh, I think if you ask any of these guys, especially PJ who played for me when I was a head coach and who is very close to a lot of our players that we've coached in the past, I think if you ask any of them, they would all say, you know, give one characteristic of Scott Sutton's program. And, And I think and I hope they would say that it is family that it is a family atmosphere. Um, you know, it's not a four year commitment to each player that comes and plays for me. It's a lifetime commitment. I, I've had so many instances where I, I still keep in contact with former players. I still try to help former players. Um, and I've always tried to treat my players as if they were my sons. So I have three daughters. And it scares me a little bit. Mike Feinstein, he has a daughter, my oldest daughter's age, and she's 15 and a sophomore in high school. And as I rec- start recruiting kids, I'm like, you know, they're going to be in college with Hallie. That is that is really scary. But it's made me, I think it's made me a better recruiter as far as character goes. I'm like, do, do, do I want my daughter hanging out with some of these other guys I've recruited in the past, or do I want her hanging out with these... These great, high character, strong Christian young men. So, uh, uh, but I've always, I've always tried uh, to treat them like family. You know, sometimes um, you, you gotta love them, you gotta support them, uh, and sometimes you have to discipline them. There's a great story, my dad, Victor Williams, who was a, was a very good player at Oklahoma State, some of you guys may remember Victor, in fact, hit a shot, last second shot, against Oklahoma one night in Gallagher, Iowa. Uh, and, and we have kids like this too, but in Stillwater, you know, campus police, they, they, I don't know what they do, but they just go around looking for cars. They don't have permits, I guess. Because Vic piled up about $500 worth of parking fines. And I mean, we have three kids that played for Vic on our team now. Uh, in fact, two, two on our team now, one coming next year played on his AAU team. So my dad, Just like he would do to Sean or me or my oldest brother Steve, he said, well, if you can't pay for these tickets, then I'm going to take your car away. So he he took his car, parked it out of his house for a semester until he could pay off his uh, parking tickets. And uh, that's just one example of treating players like you would treat your family. I think you have to make sure that everybody, and I've done this, I think, and I hope I have, that everybody in your program knows they're an important part of the overall success of your team. And that, that's, you know, players and systems obviously are important. But I treat my managers, I treat my trainers, I treat my strength coaches with the utmost respect. I love them, uh, they're a part of my family, they know that. They know they're part of my family. The other night we played Baylor Friday night in Waco, young man who I say was the greatest manager we ever had, but he lives in San Antonio and you know he just came up, drove up, didn't know he was coming, uh, surprised me and I'm telling you, we had the biggest hug and told him I loved him, he told me he loved me and uh, I mean he was just a manager, but I've always uh, I, I tried to create that culture of family um, I think it's important for your players and and maybe your employees, especially as you get older and you have younger employees, you know, they come to our house all the time. They see what family is, they see how I treat my wife, how I treat my children. Um, There's an open door policy to our players that if anything is bothering them, if they have anything on their mind, they know that they're more than welcome to come talk to us. Um, And that builds trust, and I think trust is awfully important and teams, and I know it's often important um, to businesses. And the other thing I, about family, and I tell my assistants, and they need to have a great balance between work and family. And you know, we're not one of these staffs that, that stay up 12 o'clock at night in the, in the offices. They need to be home. They need to be home with their families, they need to be home with their children, if they can, they need to go see their kids in plays and, and schools and, and, and be a part of their lives. Uh, you know, I think that's awfully, awfully important uh, to have a great balance uh, between uh, work and your home life. Uh, third thing, and I'll, I'll try to keep get going quickly, but I know you guys are uh, running out of time, but create a vision. You know, what, what's your program, um, what do you want your program to look like? What do you want to accomplish? What are your goals? You know, we want our program to be one that our university, that our alumni, our students, the city of Tulsa can be proud of. You know, things I look for in our team, and I communicate this with our team every year. I said, I want a team full of guys that have integrity, that have character, that work hard, that are unselfish, that serve others, and that have great teamwork. And that's what we're built on. As players, I want our players to develop educationally. Obviously, education is the most important thing they have when they come to college. Socially, I want them to develop socially. I want them to develop spiritually, which I think is, is so important, um, you know, especially at a place like Oral Roberts. I mean, you have an unbelievable opportunity to develop someone spiritually there. Uh, and then, obviously, athletically. And um, you know, those are things that uh, and, and, I, and I tell our recruits that my job, my goal is when your son leaves our program, my goal for them is to be that they'll be the best husband, the best father, the best employee, that they'll have a great life. And, and those are things that I try to do with our players. Um, and the last thing as far as the vision is to try to maximize our abilities every year as a team. And this is something we talk about throughout the season, uh, all these things. Uh, but some years, what's maximizing your abilities? Maybe it's winning the conference championship. Other years, it may be you know, a couple of games over 500. But if you maximize your abilities, you can live with the results. Uh, the fourth thing is motivation, and I've heard this. I'm sure everybody who's ever read a, a leadership book had probably read this, but and it's so true. It's true in coaching. You treat players fairly, but not necessarily equally, and, and that's so true. And this reminds me of a story. Jimmy Johnson, who was a great NFL coach, you know, coached at Oklahoma State, coached the Dallas Cowboys, there's a story, I'm not sure how true it is, a guy fell asleep, a, a special teams player fell asleep in a film session. The guy was cut the next day, just cut him. A reporter asked Coach Johnson, hey, what, what, what would happen if uh, Troy Aikman, if that was Troy Aikman? He said, well, I'd just go over there and say, hey, Troy, wake up. <laughs> But that's true. Um, you, know, you, you treat your players, your employees fairly, but not necessarily equally. And you know, certain guys uh, deserve playing time. Certain guys don't deserve playing time. They earn that in practice. Uh, you treat guys differently. You motivate guys differently. Some guys you can jump in and scream at and and yell at and in Bill Self's case, cuss at. Um, And he was the best in the business. It was unbelievable. But I say he was the best because he could, and these guys would attest to this, he, he could make you feel so small and get on you so hard, but you know what, at the end of practice or at the end of the day, He's putting his arm around you, telling him he, he, he loves you. And then guys just think, God, this is the greatest guy in the world. He just cussed me out, and I still love him. But he's unbelievable at it, unbelievable and, you know, it, sometimes it takes, uh, you know, motivating out of fear, like Coach Self did, uh, out of punishment. Sometimes it's out of reward. But the thing that I've – and I've changed a little bit through the years, and I, and I, think, I think young men have changed a little bit in that I think the best way to motivate is out of love, that those kids know that you care for them, that you want what's best for them, that you have their back, that you're going to do anything and everything possible to make them successful. And so, you know, there's different ways to motivate. Uh, Those are some of them. Uh, And like I said, as far as basketball, I, I think making sure your players Maybe your employees know that you you have their best interest at heart. Um, the fifth thing I would say is you have to take responsibility uh, for your team. you know it's easy after a bad loss and, and I've done this I'm not great at this I'm, I'm getting better at it, but it's easy, especially five minutes after you get beat to go on a radio show or t- or in your press conference and and, and put the blame on somebody else. But ultimately, the blame is on me. As leaders, the ulti- uh, ultimate is on me. If they don't go out there and perform, it's my fault. If they go over and turn the ball over, they don't box out, they don't make a free throw, they miss it. Easy- it's my fault. We have we have chances every day in practice to get better. So don't blame it on anybody else, and, and I've tried to do that. Um, I've tried to Take the blame, especially in public. Uh, this one thing I've I I, I love is, and I read this somewhere, but and I practice it and try to continue to practice. Is you praise in public, criticize in private. I think that's so, as far as team morale, as far as kids knowing you care for them. I think it's important that you do that. you know, I've tried to take the blame when we lose and give credit when we win. You know, I don't have such a big ego that I have to know or want people to know that, hey, it's me. It's not me, it's, it's, it's us. Th- those guys did it. And then when they don't do it, it's on me. I think that's what great leaders do. Um, and the last thing, I, I think after every season, you go back and you reflect on the season, you reflect on how you did things, um, what you could do better. Uh, what you did good, and then you change, you adapt. You know, I, I love this uh, reading a, a leadership Bible, some of you guys may have it, um, but you know, it says building leaders uh, is building good leaders. I'm, I'm, I've messed this up now, I apologize. Uh, leaders are built in the crock pot, not in the microwave. Not, and I love that. I, I, I don't think, you, you're, you're always evolving, you're always learning, you're always trying to get better and striving to get better as a leader. And it takes time, I'm still doing it. I've been a head coach for 17 years, and I'm not near the leader I wanna be or should be, and, or that I'm gonna be. So, um, I think that's something that, uh, that you think about. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. So, some, some guys, it's easier than others, and some people, it's easier than others. But with me, it's taking time, and that's okay. Uh, and the last thing I'll leave you with, and I, and I think there's a lot of young guys here and young women here, and I think this is so important. Um, and some of you guys may not agree with me, but I, as I look back, and I talked about Mike, and we have 15 or two, more than 16, and Hallie's 15, but, I can't believe it's been 15 years that, she's been bo- that she was born. And I'm so thankful that I was the type of father, and this is one thing I will brag about, that I was the type of father that was there throughout her life, throughout her preschool years, elementary school years, middle school years, high school years. There's nothing like it, and I wouldn't trade anything in the world for it. And I think so many people, are so busy and so focused on the next job, making more money, that they, they neglect in certain ways their children, and believe me, if you're doing that, and I don't wanna judge anybody, but if you're doing that, you're gonna regret it one day, and I'm so thankful that I've spent time and have a great relationship with my children, because hey, Two more years, she's gone. But I was there all, all, all along with her. And uh, so I think it's important that you cherish those moments. Know what's important, the most important thing in your life. That's your family. That's your faith. Um, so I sure appreciate you having me. I hope this, uh, <laughs> I hope you took something out of this. And, and come see us play. I, I like this team. I really do. I, I think. We have a chance to surprise a lot of people. There wasn't a whole lot of high expectations for this team. Um, we got beat by Baylor Friday night by 15, but I was encouraged. We play our first home game tonight. We have uh, an excellent home schedule. we got Tulsa on the 28th of November. And uh, so if you like basketball, if you have young children, it's a great place to come watch. The Maple Center is the best in the state. Uh, it's easy to park. It's comfortable, easy to get in, cheap prices. Uh, Kids get in free. Isn't that right, Tim? Uh, So come see us. Thanks again.
0: I hope you've enjoyed this month's message. If you live in the Tulsa area, be sure to join us next month for a free lunch and another great speaker. We meet on the second Monday of every month at Tiamo's at 61st and Sheridan at 1140 a.m. For more information about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, visit www.ybtok.com. At the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, we are building leaders for a lifetime.